Listener discretion is advised, as the Ebenistas podcast may contain suggestive and or triggering themes and overall adult content. Oh, f- All right, we're, we're on. I swear so, my neck is the same color. I'm like stretching it. <laughs> so before we get started, I'm going to apologize if you hear a bunch of noise or screaming. It is All-Star Weekend in Atlanta, so there are people everywhere and just having like parking lot concerts and it's it's ridiculous but i'm at home recording being safe and avoiding covid so what's yeah. all-star weekend it's a basketball tournament that happens every oh, year okay so in atlanta it's this year so there's like a ton of people celebrities all sorts of stuff in town oh is that um, the thing yeah. that um i think i saw so, something when i was hanging out with my um neighbor and it was like lebron was talking about it and he was like i don't understand why we're doing this when we're still in a pandemic like you're just gonna put yep, a bunch of people that, that's the this event right here that the, he was talking about um because people are just coming out you know showing out just can't wait to be out but like these COVID numbers are gonna jump as soon as this is over so I am not t- partaking but um of course good for you so welcome back we are the Ebenistas I am Doreen and we have my co-host Jay Money but she also goes by <laughs> Jabby Jay Money Jeezy baby. (laughs) So before we get started, I just wanted to remind you guys to check out our social media pages, follow us, like us, all that stuff. Um, And don't forget about the Spotify playlist that we have to each episode. Not to toot my own horn, but I feel like that love and lust playlist was one of the best that I've done. Bang it. It flowed so well. Um, Today, we're going to talk about the case of Johnny Ghosh. That's right, everybody. It's a true crime episode. Mm, mm, mm. But before we get into it, let me say this. So you'll notice that this episode, I don't have any of my own research to offer. And that is for a reason. Because when I tried to go and research all this stuff, Jabby has so thoroughly covered this topic (laughs) that every little nook and cranny that I found on the internet, she has already covered. So what we're going to do... What we're going to do is I'm just going to, I'm, I, I did, I did very little. I was just like, okay, I'm going to read this story. I didn't go into any details. I want her to tell this story and I'm going to react to it. Like I'm hearing it for the first time because legit, I kind of am. So really excited. Um, if you want to know what it's like to watch TV or movie with me, where I talk all the way through, ta-da, you're about <laughs> So, but, but, but before we talk about the disappearance of Johnny in 1982, Let's talk about our hot mess shared home state of Florida. And we're going to play a little game called Florida Man. Um, is it true or is it not true? Jabby's going to guess. Okay. So excited. <laughs> I'm just going to guess across the board. True. Just FYI. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you haven't seen any of these yet. So okay. here's the first one. It's the headline. Women, sorry. Woman wears won't be caught t-shirt t-shirt won't be caught t-shirt while robbing a store yes or no first of all a t-shirt t-shirt when when i thought about it i was like so that's basically a romper yeah right that would be a (laughs) t-shirt perfect name by the way yes um she wears won't be caught while doing a robbery on her shirt yes I'm going to go ahead and say true. Yes, that is 100% true. Yep. 
All right, here's one. Yeah. Knife-wielding man tries to get imaginary girlfriend from garbage truck. <laughs> Yay or nay? I want to say false just because of the nature of the game, but I want to say true at the same time. So it is true. Um, and the story involves pepper spray, crack croquet, sorry, crack croquet, crack <laughs> cocaine. It's a mess, but yeah. Crack croquettes? Yes. <laughs> your little upscale treat with your crack. A little sprinkle. <laughs> On your croquetas? Mm. Some sprinkle sprinkle with your croquetas? Mm. Oh, I'd like this, the croqueta special. Thank you. Yeah. A little, little, That's, little that is very Miami, actually. That would be perfect. Um, all right, I have another one. Yes. Bank robber attempts to get away in a motorboat with a broken motor. Somehow still attempts to paddle away from the cops. False. True. It's true. What, what it's just it? got to be true. Like I told you, it has to be true across the board. All of these. Totally fake. Made oh my up, God. Not true. Come on. All right. Here's a good one. Shoplifter stuffs chainsaw down his pants. True. Which part of Florida was it? Yes, it happened. Um, let me see. It happened. Does it say where? Oh no, Port St. Lucie, Florida. <laughs> I used to live there. No. I literally was just like Central Florida, Central Florida, Central Florida. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, a lot of these Florida stories happen in Central Florida because there's nothing to do there too far from the beach um and then they're just stuck inland with like all this like bad weather yep um okay. like you think that like miami like south florida is where you do all the drugs but like you get further inland and it's just like no you do all the drugs here <laughs> here's one um burglar misplaces keys arrested while trying to break back into his own car arrested trying to get back into his own car he know. lost the keys to the car that he was trying to steal and then tried to break back into his own car because he couldn't find his keys question was he a person of color or was he white oh no 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 we're not gonna go into that no hints yes or no <laughs> i'm gonna go false yes that is made okay. up okay i'm just saying just saying if it was a person of color, I would totally believe it. <laughs> All right, here's one more. Bikini wearing grandma arrested for yes. DUI crash with grandson <laughs> in her BMW. Yes, yes, true. Very much true. Um, she actually happened to be on live on TV when it happened. Um, but yeah, she failed her sobriety test. It was over for that lady. So yeah, <laughs> Florida is definitely... <laughs> well known for its crazy stories i wonder how old her grandson was let me check i can tell you oh my god poor baby really like do you, i mean I think it's depending on how old the child was like okay so this happened in naples florida she was 49 and i will say she looks great in her bikini <laughs> like that lady's in good shape and her son was 10 years old her grandson or her son grandson yes Okay, so immediately when you said that, when you described her to me, I imagined, no lie, like a convertible BMW, like old lady, like with money, styling, profiling, 
like you know check. just looking good check 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 yep that's got into the crash he comes out i don't know what happened <laughs> like <laughs> just you can't arrest me do you know who i am yeah do you know and they're just like i guess you know oh, she probably paid her way out of jail all the attorneys and she just went about her way that was it so are you ready to talk about this young boy who got kidnapped and i don't know if you cover this but this kid is actually the reason why oh man we're about to show our age why there were missing children on the milk cartons because he was the first one to ever go on the side of the milk carton they don't really do that anymore but growing mm. up that was a common occurrence it would have like the missing children because people always drank milk and they would look at it and they figured it was a perfect place so yep. this is the story that inspired that whole thing to happen yes i um i have it somewhere in there um i don't know if I think you're right. I think you're right. I think he was the first. Oh, that's right. So remember I was telling you the story because you were telling me the story that you just had where you thought somebody was in the house. You were like, who the fuck is in the house? So um, my friend, our friend Tati. Um, so, you know, there was a point in time where we lived together. Um, yes. So one day I was coming home from work and I told her and I was like, um, okay, I'm gonna tell you two stories about her because that bitch. So the first one is I was coming home from work and I called her and I was like, Tati, I have to fucking pee, bitch. Like, open the door, please. Like, I literally am going to run upstairs and run into the bathroom, right? This bitch. So I run upstairs. We lived on, I think, second or third floor of the apartment mm -hmm. building. I go to open the door and I can't open the door like to the hallway of where our apartment is. And that door is always open. And I was like, first I couldn't open it. I literally pulled down and yanked at the door. She came flying in to the, <laughs> the stairway, like dying. She was like, ah! I ran past her, like obviously went to the bathroom. <laughs> it was cause she was trying to like block me, obviously trying to play a prank and she was, failed completely you're right? about to get peed on <laughs> she was about to get peed on i was like bitch get out the way so that was part of the that story of you can't you couldn't get in but the other thing was you know the stranger danger you thought you were going to die and the chainsaw thing right so i've got so many stories that connect to her with these stories why because she's painting the ass so we went to halloween horror nights one year and we're just standing there talking and i don't know if you've been to halloween horror nights right you've had to go oh uh, right? yeah okay yeah. so you know they have like these random guys with chainsaws yes. running around <laughs> so this is the first time i've gone um we went with her family and all of us we're just it was just me and her standing there you know talking and all of a sudden she like screams pushes me back and I all I hear is, and I turn around, there's a chainsaw guy there. She pushed me into this guy <laughs> and left me, okay? Yeah, this bitch, that's how you really find out who your friends are. This bitch left me. That's not the first time she did this, okay? Same apartment building. Um, we go into our storage area. The storage area was a shared area for all the people on the floor. Mm. And there's a timer on the light so you turn it and then like however much time is in there the light turns off so we go in there and i hadn't known 
I didn't know. Okay, let me just do this. We go in, we go into like whatever area our thing is. All of a sudden the lights turn off. This bitch again, she pushes me into the wall furthest away so that she could leave and run out of the storage area. And all of a sudden you hear like my ex starts laughing. Like she's screaming, pushes me and bolts out. My ex starts (laughs) dying of laughter and turns the light on because she's done that. I was like, really? I was like, this is too many times that you've left me for dead. Like what kind of friend are you? Better you than me, bitch. I'm out. (laughs) I was like, you're so mean, but I love her so much. But yeah, these are my friends. So I get scared a lot. Um, I'm just a scary person. Like I think the other day I went to sleep and I had my whole microphone set. Like it's a whole elaborate like arm contraction. And so I had it set up on the side of my bed and I pushed it up just to push it out of my way. Mm -hmm. You want to know what that looks like in the middle of the night? (laughs) Like a person standing above me. And I was like, who the fuck is that? Terror, like pure terror for like a second. I was like, this is it. And then I like, you know, my eyes came into focus. I was like, it's my microphone. So I <laughs> stopped sleeping like that. It was not worth the fear. Like, you know, <laughs> like no. no. I love it. <laughs> you you feel that fear. It's like your whole body seizes up. Like, like oh, is this it? Is this it? Yeah. You know, what's funny and like what's really fucked up is you realize that in that moment, your fight or flight, you're like, I have no fight like whatsoever. And well, I think you understand what happens when like you catch a deer in the headlights and they just sort of like freeze like, oh, shit, what do I do? <laughs> and it's like that fight or flight is not an instantaneous process. It takes a couple seconds. You're like, oh, God, this is happening. Mm hmm. And then it's like, okay, now what do I do? But that takes a little while. So yeah, I'm sorry, dear. I, yeah, I can totally understand how people can be caught off guard. So listen, uh, I guess that kind of rolls into this story. So let's uh, get going on it because there is a lot of detail. We probably won't cover it all. And I think this will actually end up being a part two, right? Maybe. Ooh, let's see. I like it. I do definitely plan. I think I told you this before. There is a whole conspiracy theory part of this story for those that do know it, because this has been covered by pretty much every true crime podcast out there. Um, and there's documentaries on this. But um, the second part of this, and I think, Doreen, you would really like going down the rabbit hole on this one, but the conspiracy of what the connection is to like government agencies. Oh, I read about that. Mm. And Ooh. then I went to go write it. Jabby got it. I was like, damn, girl got everything it leaves some for me i couldn't girl i could not when i tell you i went down the rabbit hole i was like i couldn't i couldn't sorry <laughs> i said literally excited okay so before we get started let's take yeah. a quick commercial bye bitches when jabby and i first started talking about creating a podcast we struggled to find a way to record in two different states without it sounding terrible and that's where squadcast comes in yes Squadcast has been a lifesaver for noobs like ourselves. Squadcast makes it simple to record studio quality shows. It does the hard part of separating individual audio tracks without the fuss of chords that connect here and there and go there and all that nonsense. Facts. So find the plan that works best for you with flexible pricing that Squadcast has to offer and upgrade your podcasting life. Visit our link at ebonistas.com on the sponsor page and get a seven day free trial. Happy recordings. 
So, um, awesome. Let's get this thing thing going. Let's so, do it. Yay! All right. So, Johnny Gosh, by the way, um, he or Gosh, I think it's Gosh. I'm pretty sure it's Gosh. I don't know. Um, I mean, I did watch documentaries. So, and all that other stuff. Sorry, I'm sniffling so much. I don't know what's going on with me. Maybe I am having a little bit of allergies too. Yeah, spring is run. Um, so Sunday, September 5th, 1982, 12 year old Johnny Gosh, he's in Des Moines, Iowa. Okay. Oh, let's stop. What? What did you call that city? Des Moines. Oh, that's so cute. Isn't it Des Moines? Is it Des Moines? Yeah. My bad. (laughs) Okay. Des Moines. Des Moines. I'm not from Iowa. Who is? All 10 people? Like, <laughs> if, they, if, if someone from Iowa is listening, let us know how to pro- properly pronounce that. Des Moines or Des Moines? Des, no, I'm sure it's not. I'm sure you're right. It's Des Moines. <laughs> is it French? Oh, oh my God. Dirt? I mean. Des um, Moines? I don't know. Mm. Des Moines? Des Moines? Moi? I don't know. Huh? You tell me. I don't know. Okay. So we're not here for Des Moines, okay? I'm just trying to give you guys a general location of where we're at. Middle of America, okay? We're in the suburbs. White people are flourishing, okay? Doing their thing. So Johnny's a paper boy. Back in the day when kids could do these things and no one had to worry about them. And by the way, have you ever played that video game? Do you remember that video game, Paper Boy? No. Good. Wait, yes, way back in the day, right? Like, yeah, yes, 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 I so do. Good, I don't know why. So, I have a whole thing with paper boys. Um, not that sounds weird. No, 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 no. Oh. I, I'm obsessed with this movie called Better Off Dead. And in that movie, there's like a paper boy that chases him around hmm. for his like newspaper money, and it's hilarious. Like, this kid. <laughs> follows him through like a cemetery comes back from the dead goes over a cliff like it, he he brings out like a whole like posse of paper boys like to come get his money damn awesome like <laughs> so i'm like I, I, okay, give me my money my paper boy money my two dollars <laughs> <laughs> well you got paper boy from from atl right yeah paper over atlanta it's all about the paper boy all right <laughs> Show's genius, by the way, if you haven't watched Amazing. it. Amazing. Um, so on this day, right before dawn, um, Johnny goes to pick up his papers to deliver at the um, at this local church, apparently outside of this church area. And there's another boy that was doing the exact same thing. He's got his little red wagon, adorable, and he's got his dog with him as well. Um, I'm setting up the scene of how this, how his abduction happened, basically. So a little while later, two neighbors see Johnny talking to a man in a blue Ford Fairmont with Nebraska plates. Okay. A couple's, you know, a little while later. After that, another neighbor sees Johnny walking home and a man following him. Um, this man was seen how this happens while Johnny was walking on one side of the sidewalk, right? This man was on the other, came from the bushes on the opposite side, the other side of the sidewalk. I, I hope I'm, you'd have to draw to see a diagram and I, I'm gonna try and do really well with the blog and give you guys a lot of um, visuals so you can put the pieces together a little bit better. But so he comes out on the other sidewalk from the bushes, crosses the, crosses the road, 
to come up behind Johnny and follows, starts following Johnny. Okay. Um, at the same time, Johnny is seen by two other newspaper kids that are walk, walking the opposite direction and say, they say hi. Um, and that's right before Johnny rounds the corner of the sidewalk. When he rounds this corner, and, um, and it's not on the corner, it's, you know, a couple more paces. Um, there's a house across the street. I, be I believe it was across the street. Um, this guy remembers hearing, a neighbor remembers hearing a car door, um, you know, closing and a car um, peeling off, like hearing it screech and peel off. Um, he looks out the window and, you know, as the car is peeling off, he sees a silver and black Ford Fairmont. Um, and like, like I said, he, hear, he heard it starting up, peel out, and it blows through the stop sign. Um, and that's it, right? Johnny's no longer there. He did, I don't think he saw Johnny at that point. Um, he just remembers seeing the car leaving. Okay. But that, so those kids basically were the last kids to see Johnny and they saw, so they had to have seen the man following him. So there was a neighbor that saw, saw the guy following Johnny, saw Johnny talking to these people in the car beforehand. And then the neighbor, the last thing he saw was a car screeching away from where Johnny was last seen. So what's weird is that one person described it as a blue car. Another person says it was silver and black. So that's a little inconsistent, but okay. Yes. I'm with it. Exactly. Okay. So, um, so interesting enough, obviously this guy, this is early morning, right? Um, the guy doesn't report anything because he didn't see anything. All he saw was a car peeling out. You know, he didn't see a kid. He didn't see a guy or anything. He just saw the car peeling out. So, what got all this going uh, about you know Johnny disappearing was his parents started to get calls from neighbors that their papers weren't being delivered. Um, where's my fucking paper? <laughs> Bring me my paper. Um, that's amazing. What a time to be alive, right? Like who does that anymore? Like first of all, we don't really have paper boys anymore. Um, people don't get their papers delivered. So it to me when I saw when I thought about that, I was like that concept that you something is wrong so you know who to call in your neighborhood because you know that child delivers those papers and you know their parents it's like it's just what a time to be alive kind of thing like where you know your neighbors that well but um so I you know what I would say growing up where I did in South Florida that's kind of how my neighborhood was like I knew Really, it, it was like a teenager who delivered the newspapers, and like I didn't like have his number, but like we knew where he lived and we knew what time he came by. Really, and you know, like it was, yeah, like I knew most of my neighbors. Like my neighbors would snitch on me all the time. Oh. Um, but it was it was cool because they always were sort of looking out for each other. Mm -hmm. Um, so I can remember the beginning of like the end of this, um, mm. this time of like where you just felt like safe and happy and like everybody was, you know, we're all in this together. We're you know, but. It's not so much like that anymore. Like I go out of my way to avoid my neighbors now. <laughs> so you remember that as a teenager or as a child? As a child. Like I okay. even, I can remember when the shift happened, when we used to be able to go, like we would go trick-or-treating by ourselves, just the kids would just mm -hmm. go by yourself. And it was normal. Like 
you didn't need supervision. We would walk into people's houses and go to haunted houses. And it wasn't anything to be afraid of. It was just part of what it was. And then I remember it kind of started to change when someone started putting like razor blades and drugs and candy. Yeah, and those people, stories. Like, and then like after that, like my mom had to go with me or like an adult. But I can remember what it was like to just be like so carefree as a child. I definitely caught the tail end of that as well. And um, that was definitely a, uh, a a different time. I mean, like you, you grew up in your childhood, you spent in Florida, right? You spent in um, mostly South Florida, South Florida. Okay. So I spent mine in Buffalo, New York, uh, mostly. And so I lived in that, that area too, where my mom could just leave me out. She, I like, I'd leave like, I don't know, for hours at a time, just running around outside doing whatever. And yeah, I remember one time, like a couple of times, my neighbor snitching on me and my mom, you just hear her just screaming my name, like, from like down the blocks and I'm just like oh <laughs> shit I'm like running because like some neighbor had just called her and told her what I was doing yeah <laughs> but yeah those were the days um so what ends up happening is after these phone calls come in his dad goes to look for him um his dad actually ends up finding his wagon two blocks from their home from that area where the guy had seen the car peel off basically um but obviously they didn't know his dad didn't know those details yet um but it was still filled with newspapers um the parents ended up calling the police um but they were uh, given that same story that people today still hear from from police stations which is you know your kid can't be you know told that they're missing or classified as missing until um 48 hours 72 hours has passed um, so just for the, the police to come and take the report, 45 minutes had already passed. So all that time, you know, all this information, all these things had happened. And unfortunately, um, you know, they could have, if they come sooner, I think with all the neighbors of what they'd seen, I think they could have, that, that could have made a huge difference in this case. But, um, we're going to keep going. There's a lot of law enforcement fails in this. So that's your setup of what happened, right? It's going to get crazy here, y'all. Crazy. So this was in 1982. Very briefly, um, sorry, my computer is being really stupid right now. So I'm sorry. I usually, I don't usually use this Mac anymore. And so like all of the functions are like weird now. And I'm like, I don't know how to do this anymore. Um, so listen, how law enforcement handled this makes you so angry. So like from the beginning of this, you're just like, really all like, this is messed up. And I, I personally, like, I hate this idea that you have to wait a certain amount of hours for someone to be classified as missing just because um, this, whole, this whole notion that, oh, they could just be a runaway or blah, blah, blah. Like just because that person's a runaway doesn't mean that their their safety isn't important you right know what I mean? like there's still a child like there's still someone that is acting out outside of their character and it's still someone that is obviously cared for and you, that should still be taken seriously so I, that's something that I, that's a whole other conversation right so i think it goes to the point that like back then like child kidnappings weren't really 
they happened, but it was usually, you know, like something a little more like sorted than this. Like, okay, your kid went to go like bring some newspapers. He probably went and hung out with his friends. He maybe forgot. He's probably irresponsible. Like he'll be fine. I'm sure he'll be home in a little bit. Like now, if you reported your child missing and those things happen, people would panic immediately. They'd be like, okay, let's shut down the city. Let's figure this out. But back then it was just like, no, why would anybody harm a child? You know, like that, that just, it, it was more likely that he was being irresponsible than it was that someone had kidnapped him. So exactly, probably exactly what those kidnappers were banking on, unfortunately. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And actually, um, when you get a little further down, I'll give you some information that connects all back to this too. Um, keep you hanging on. <laughs> um, so at one point, um, law enforcement actually told the parents of Johnny that he was dead, um, that his body would turn up within a few days. Yeah, just straight out without any knowledge of this actually happening. And just because a certain amount of time had passed since they hadn't found him and hadn't heard from him, they just decided to tell them that. When the cops noticeably really stopped looking for him um, and the parents actually requested that the FBI come in, the chief, which keep his name in your mind, his name was Orville Cooney. <laughs> what a last name. That does not bode well. No, it doesn't. And his whole persona perfectly inhabited in his last name. He basically told them, we don't think that we need them. Um, there's not really a crime here. And they were told basically that they had to prove that their son was in danger. I'm going to go ahead and say that sounds hella sus. Like that sounds like a group of people working together to cover some shit up. Like, I don't understand. Okay, but go ahead. Right. Okay, so, I'm listening. You got I have me. to give you a side side note on this guy, right? So fucking plot twist. This guy, the chief, ended up having a bunch of his own officers lodging um, complaints against him including drinking on the job and racial profiling like he apparently like was some of the worst of the worst and he had a bunch of officers that lodged complaints against him so um yeah he he actually lasted a few more years but not too long and yeah he sucked basically and that's probably why he didn't want the fbi coming in to look into his affairs because he had been messing up for quite some time mm-hmm. oh okay exactly exactly so there are actually some things that happened um i'm gonna go through this timeline there are a lot of things that happened after johnny was taken that kind of set off a series of events and um really get people talking about um what could have happened to him in these theories right so six months after johnny is taken um a woman is approached by a boy um, at the in the parking lot of a grocery store, like a or like a not a grocery store, but like a what do you like a bodega sort of? What do you what do you call them? Like a corner store, convenience Thank store. Thank you. <laughs> okay, I don't know why that was like messing with me, um, but he basically like came up to him and said, "I'm Johnny Gosh. I've been kidnapped." and like was like yelling this but then two men came dragged him away and that was it um and i apologize i had it written here about like where that was and it disappeared but i think that was also somewhere nearby um where he was originally taken i could be wrong but yeah that's okay i'll live 
right? So that's six months after taken, right? Second thing, 1984, another boy is taken, another paper boy is taken in the same um, area, actually. Eugene Wade, he's 13 years old, same thing happens. He basically disappears into thin air. Um, Yeah. Um, He was also seen talking to a man in a car, okay? And apparently he was also, same thing. Um, Johnny, when he was talking to the man in the car, apparently the guy was asking him for directions as well. Mm, Okay. Same thing with Eugene, apparently. The guy was asking for directions. So actually, side note as well, um, there was also the same morning that Johnny was taken, there was another boy that was approached as well apparently by the same car asking for directions as well. So there's a lot of mm, questionable things happening here. Okay, so uh, basically someone's just going through Ohio- Iowa and just snatching up paper boys. Paper Specifically boys. paper boys. Oh, you know why? Because they're probably one of the few kids that would be up and about in the pre-down hours by themselves mm-hmm. without their parents. Okay, all right. Yeah. Makes sense. Totally, right? Yeah. Um. So the next thing that is really interesting, and um, I don't know if they, his mom thinks this is something, you know, that was legit, but who's to say, but 1985, a woman actually calls Johnny's parents and says that she got a bill in change, a dollar bill in change at a store. Um, this is in Iowa. And it says on the bill, it says, I am alive, Johnny Gosh. So when you go to watch the documentary, actually, um, I actually, um, you'll see it like there's like a press conference, what have you. And you can actually see, you can actually see the, um, like, like she holds up the dollar bill and you can see like the writing on it, what have you. And like, you know, they actually exchange a dollar. The the parents were like, Hey, send us a dollar. We'll send you a dollar back kind of thing. And, um, the mom really strongly believes that it was a, that it was real. Um, they didn't really comment on like what the dad thought, but he was there at the press conference. This is something that I, I don't know, a dollar. I don't know. What do you think about something like that? Um, I mean, any so back then, I'm just putting my head in that like like a kid around his age leaving a note in any way that you can I, I don't see how he would have access to that money unless they were out somewhere paying a bill and someone you know like he quickly wrote on it but I just it seems a little odd mm-hmm. um but if you're being kidnapped yeah like there's been stories of people who were like being kidnapped and they were allowed to order like pizza online mm-hmm. and they left notes in the comments like please send the police like it's I've been mm-hmm. kidnapped whatever whatever so you do whatever you can to get like a note out a message out you know so maybe it could be true yeah yeah that's that's true that is very true you do what you can as much as possible um i don't know it just kind of like sat weird with me because like i've i mean i've seen stories where people have written weird i've gotten bills before people have written weird things on dollar bills or any bill that you've gotten and you're just kind of like that's weird like why would you do that um it was a thing in like the i want to say the 90s mm-hmm write like random things on bills and I would find them all the time and I was super excited but yeah recently no not not in the past like 15 20 years no yeah that was a thing that was like a like a fun like trend thing that was happening for a while it was 
that was kind of like the the um uh the cell phone thing that people were doing for a while like text message the number like one number off from your phone number and see oh, who oh yeah that's so silly i i would i don't even care i literally don't care I literally, like and second of all like don't talk to strangers y'all okay so one time <laughs> when i was in i was in florida i think i was in like in middle school high school I, I was in my freshman year of high school mm -hmm. and a wrong number happened to call and he asked for someone and I was like no they don't live here mm -hmm. and he was like well who are you and I was like I'm, I'm not telling you like I don't know you we sat on the phone me and this gentleman for like maybe three or four hours he didn't ask me for any additional information he didn't ask me my name or where I lived we just talked about like tv and random things but like he was clearly an adult and I was clearly like a preteen mm -hmm. um so now it's a little problem so he's like well can I just call back and talk to you sometime I was like yeah sure and then I got off the phone I was like yeah Doreen no don't don't do that yeah. he's probably gonna like murder you and kidnap you so like mm -hmm. I just wouldn't answer his phone um his phone calls since I had caller ID back then but yeah so yeah I've, I've done some questionable things as a kid listen kidnapped I've done several things before that I could have gotten the worst out. by far was I was walking to school one morning and how did I, I, I normally walk but I, I hated it and it was pouring rain it was Florida mm -hmm. like my mom was like she had gone to work so I just walked to school and like it the skies opened up I was drenched mm -hmm. and I still had to go over like a huge overpass and then like walk like another like 20 minutes to get to school Ugh. and there was puddles everywhere and I was just getting soaked and this guy stopped and was like hey do you need a ride no I was heading home from school oh god no hey do you need a ride and I was like no thank you he's like I promise like I, you just you're so bad I just want to help and I was like okay do you know I got in this man's car and I didn't let him drop me off at home I still had him drop me off like a full like block and a half away from my house um and then like I waited till I couldn't see him and then I like and then I ran and like went in the back and like all this other stuff but I, yeah that was that was probably really stupid no mama yeah <laughs> i love it yeah laziness all right so next thing that happens um also i don't have a time on this one but third boy goes missing um damn son it's not yeah. a good time to be a paper boy not a good time actually this one is not a paper boy um but he is again he is in iowa um police enforcement says that this all three of these are not related but i'm gonna go ahead and say bullshit yeah they just suck at their jobs yeah no they're definitely no this doesn't just happen no it doesn't yeah. i'm like and you like how could the second one not be related <laughs> like like that doesn't make any sense like He's a paper boy and you see him talking to a dude in a car asking for directions. Like, how do you even know that? Like, all right, you guys. So, all right, that's 1986, right? 1989, this guy, this is the big, big witness thing that this guy sets off a whole new set of things, right? His name is Ball, but Paul, not Ball, Paul Banassi, right? He admits to being actually an accomplice in helping to abduct Johnny Gosh, right? His task was just to hold down a person and put something over their face, right? 
Paul himself is actually a child of sex, um, a child um, of sexual abuse. And he'd been so since the age of six. And he had actually admitted um, that he was, I'm sorry. And at the time he was actually incarcerated for being a sex offender as well. Um, and then an even bigger twist for Paul, he apparently had been abducted into the same sex ring that he had helped Johnny be abducted into. Right. So the problem with Paul, and this is going to come up later, is that Paul suffered from multiple personality disorder. Right. And the reason that um, he's, his doctor actually um, said that this came about because of the years of sexual abuse that he suffered from. So obviously this is something that he used to cope with what was happening to him. Okay. But it also makes him an extremely unreliable witness. Exactly. Exactly. So Paul um, is the one that brought forward and brought up this whole thing with the sex ring going on and how he did this. um, And the reason he brought this up is that he accused um, the Republican party activist and businessman Lawrence King he, this guy was also the director of the Franklin Credit Union of Omaha, Nebraska. He apparently was running an underage prostitution ring and victimizing um, Paul since an early age. Um, apparently, this ring was connected to powerful men in the area. And according to Paul, what happened to Johnny is um, there was a buyer in Colorado that wanted a kid that was not damaged goods, quote unquote. So basically a kid that had never been um, in this ring or ever been a part of any type of child prostitution or anything like that. But basically that's how Johnny ends up in Colorado. And um, we're going to talk about Colorado a little bit more um, later. So, um, but Paul, while he was in jail, um, after he, is, he comes out and says this information about um, this ring, he starts to, be, to receive these letters from other victims from around the country um, describing similar incidences. I can never say incidents, like incident. And I feel like it said, I say it wrong. How, how do you say it? Incidents. It's, okay, but why does it sound wrong? Incidents. I don't know. I'm Some sorry. Some words that sound like that. They're just weird. Strong. Not like spork. Like spork is a good word. Like spork. Spork. I don't know. It sounds right. Spork. There are a few words that I cannot pronounce properly. Um, and or it just sounds weird to my ears. Anomin. No, damn. That's the one. Every time. <laughs> every time. Anonymity. There we go. I can never say it right. You know, when you actually I forgot to tell you last time when you were saying that, um, it's like um, Finding Nemo. Do you remember that part? An enemy. And then I'm an enemy. And he's like, whoa, there, kid. It just don't roll off the tongue. And for some reason, that's just that's just one of them. I love that part. So I'm going to say this real quick about yeah. the story that you're telling. So I can understand why in the late 80s, early 90s, this would have seemed, seemed like such a far-fetched story, right? Like, mm -hmm. there's no way all these powerful political people would be doing this to children. Like, that just wouldn't happen. 
sex trafficking has been going on for a lot longer than most of us realize. And these pedophiles and all these people, like they didn't just start appearing nowadays. They've always been there. And a lot of time they use their, their positions of power and especially in the government or whatever the industry that they're in, in order to do these things to people who cannot fight back mm -hmm. or even when people do try to fight back they undermine them they have them arrested they have them declared insane they do all these things that we know now that this is very prevalent it does happen um there was that millionaire who killed like three people in his home and he's still not arrested like mm -hmm. he would force them to take drugs and they would overdose and he's still just chilling yeah. i mean this happens all the time but back then it was unheard of yeah. So I'm just trying to, I'm trying to just wrap my mind around the fact that like all these things happen, they had a witness and they're still like, no, no. Yeah. Anyway, please continue. Well, no, but then you're, you're totally right. And then you have to think about it too. We're still in this, they're still in this mindset of where you're pushing for the, for your, your population to be like, trust the law enforcement. You're teaching children every how, I mean, we came off the tail end of that in our childhood, right? Yeah. Like where you would have police officers come into the classroom and they were preaching, you know, we're your friends, we're here to help you, we're here to do this, we're here to do that. And it was like, you know, respect your elders, you know, every adult, if you ever need help, go to an adult. If you ever need help, do this. If you ever need, you know, everything that you were taught as a kid and what you pushed on, um, you know, all families um, and what politicians pushed all the time was that, we're all here to help you. You know, yeah. we're all here to be trusted. And a lot of people couldn't wrap their heads around the idea that politicians and powerful people were liars and were disgusting people. And were monsters. Yeah. They couldn't, for some reason, it was just like, oh no, like they're smiling at us. Like the idea that um, monsters could look like us could look like that in plain sight yeah you mm -hmm. know like they just got used to like you know what was it i mean we had ted bundy we had um i can't think the other guy's name escapes me right now but like you know good looking guys that ended up being Dahmer. i was it him or just like these normal looking people you know and people just weren't used to it yet and they I just i mean even think about jared from the subway commercials like he was all over TV and doing all sorts of craziness. Like, you know, listen, yeah. listen, <laughs> but I digress. This is why we have like, you know, stories like this and this is where it comes from, right? Why we're more cautious now. So, right. While, um, so Paul starts receiving all these letters and crazy enough, similar things. And from the same people naming the same guy and the same politicians and powerful people in the same area and these people saying yeah same thing happened to me you know and once these people are done with you they're done with you they just let you go and that's it you know you're damaged so um actually what ends up happening is in this particular case this is kind of like side note to think about but just like you said uh doreen this guy ends up not even uh, getting arrested for this Lawrence King, but actually they find Paul guilty of perjury and that his accusations against King and these other people were all a hoax. So that's with the, 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 the first one, right? But he actually later on in 1998 won a civil suit 
um, for a million dollars for the same case, but he was never paid. So, um, and I don't, I'm not, I don't know if necessarily the monetary value was about, you know, his goal, but the fact that he won, you know, a case that says that like, yes, you know, you were believed and that, you know, someone's yeah. were, there's legal recognition that you were telling the truth at some point. I think that has value. So yeah. Paul, um, but the fact that Paul is someone that came out and came forward and was like, I need to say something and say that I had a hand in this child being abducted. And I know kind of, I, I know what happened to him and I know what state he ended up in. That's a great, I think that's a great lead at least. You know what I mean? Wait, so are we going to cover that part? Like mm -hmm. what he said happened? Okay. I'm like, well, what oh, happened? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. So um, the reason I want to follow Paul is because Paul ends up uh, meeting Johnny's mom and actually telling her, her some interesting things. You all know the Ebenezer's are fond of their drinks. We work hard and we play hard, responsibly, of course. And you know what? Sometimes they just want a glass of wine with dinner at the end of a long day. Yes, and with everything being delivered nowadays, groceries, food, even your makeup. So why not get your wine delivered monthly too? Save yourself a trip and use Wink. Be the boss that you are and have Wink deliver wine personalized just for you right to your doorstep. So visit wink.mivh.net backslash Ebenistas and get $20 off your first order. I just got my first delivery and I have to say the selections are fantastic. I was able to narrow down vegan wines and even found a few whites that I enjoyed. Yeah, and they deliver super fast. Within a day or two, I've actually gotten my entire shipment of wine. So you don't have to wait that long to start drinking. It's always happy hour somewhere, right? So um, the documentary I watched actually, um, which is called um, Who Took Johnny, and it's actually on um, Amazon Prime, um, Noreen and Paul meet for the first time. And um, what he said was that they kept Johnny tied and gagged mostly. And that what ends up happening, this is really sad, was that Paul, um, remember he was really young when this happened. I think him, he himself was a teenager when this all happened. So he was the first that had to molest Johnny and it was done on film and um, pictures were taken and videos were taken apparently by the kidnappers. And this was for the pedophilia ring. So um, he also told the, the reason why his testimony is so important and why Noreen, who is Johnny's mom, believes him so much is because he ends up telling Noreen about scars um and about a stammer that johnny has that was not made public um to anybody so the other thing that he told noreen was about um a yoga class that he um that johnny would attend with his mother so that's definitely something that noreen was like i didn't tell the even tell the police this because it's not relevant to the case so right. she 100 percent was like yes i believe paul and think he's credible right um and actually, when I was watching this, um, I thought it was really interesting in um, that she she described how she felt meeting him because she was like, you know, he had a hand in his kidnapping. But I also remembered that he himself was a victim of child abuse and was in this cycle of abuse. So it was kind of strange. Um, 
so they you know what i didn't see was any mention of like his parents or mm -hmm. come no one filed a kidnapping report for him like how was how did he enter into this whole thing but okay i couldn't find any i didn't find anything either um but i mean then again we are looking at a case about another boy and just he was just kind of like a part of that so i would love to look into that actually i'll probably look into that later on on my own okay. <laughs> but that's a great question that's a great question so i had to uh again give it up for the des moines <laughs> pd i'm gonna say it wrong every now. time you say it my eyes are like what? i'm gonna Where? do it now wrong forever now Where? why <laughs> um we're, we're just going to um about their fuck upery right again they never questioned Paul ever about the case. Well, if that doesn't sound like a cover up. Right. But they did question his siblings 10 years after his admission to discredit him. <sighs> listen, listen, I can only take so much from one, one police department. Okay. So. We're going to, so this is still related to Paul, but we're back on Johnny specifically, right? Which we have been, blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> this is a lot. So in 92, America Most Wanted um, did an episode, like a quick airtime with Paul, right? Um, basically, Paul describing what happened with Johnny, um, kind of like a quick interview type thing. and. Um, then these they do this interview right and he gives all these details including a time where johnny had tried to escape from the house in colorado but um the captor which they called the colonel um caught him and ended up branding johnny um oh my gosh yeah yeah so that episode airs right this interview whatever um all of a sudden the show starts getting all of these calls from kids and young adults confirming Paul's story. Once again, how Paul was getting all those letters in jail. Now the show is getting all these stories. So um, one person even came forward apparently um, and came in, I guess, to the studio. I don't know how they did this, but actually had the same brand that Paul had described. And um, so what ends up happening is the show actually decides to um, record them going to Colorado to the place um, that Paul had described. And, you know, they were just like astonished because they were just like, you know, obviously he's making all these claims. And I remember watching the documentary and the guy's like, you know, he's making all these crazy claims and blah, blah, blah. And you're just like, you know, are they true or not? And he's like, but then you start getting these calls and then in comes this guy with a brand and the brand is right there. And then we go to Colorado and sure enough, the house is right there. And not only is the house there, but there goes the secret chamber that he's talking about. And not only is the secret chamber there, but we see in the in the walls and in the poles are carved names of children that have been there just awful it's nuts right so that that to me i was just like that's crazy right and so there's apparently in in denver 
actually they'd actually in a i sorry how many times did i say actually in that last like five minutes or 30 seconds um at a restaurant somewhere apparently um there is an someone wrote johnny gosh was here um was written in red nail polish somewhere um so these are all just connections to the fact that paul was you know telling the truth about this ring and what happened to johnny basically so that was again 92 right and i just wanted to add this in really quick because most people think about this um 93 johnny's parents actually end up divorcing um most parents families that go through things like this they don't typically last um there's a lot of pressure here and there so i mean and it's just really hard to like suffer that type of loss and then have all of this you know all these details coming out you're questioning this you're questioning that and then you're looking at each other you might start to blame each other it yeah divorce is kind of like inevitable i feel like in certain situations yeah um so that sucks yeah it is it's really crazy and um we're gonna jump actually um back to that as to there's a reason why there's a really big reason why they actually end up getting divorced um that relates obviously it relates to johnny right so in 1997 um at 2 30 a.m setting the scene johnny's mom um lives in an apartment i believe right or she lives in her i think she believes that she lives in her own home she's visited she she um gets a knock at the door she asks who it is and she hears a voice on the other end and says it's me mom it's johnny okay johnny is now 27 years old um he's also there with an unidentified man um she says that she knew immediately that it was him like you know people just feel these things they she's like looking at him and she's like that's my son like i know who that is um and he also confirms it by showing this birthmark that's on his chest they actually end up talking apparently for like an hour or so um she things she notices about this conversation right he's he keeps looking back at the other guy kind of like as like a can i keep talking kind of thing kind of like should i i don't know you know what i mean right yeah like for assurance like is do i have your permission to speak something like that to say yeah yeah like that that's how she kind of described it right um he doesn't tell her where he's living or where he's going he seems very nervous but he does tell her that he's in danger and apparently he says something to the effect of like i need your help to bring his abductors um to bring justice to what's happened to him and bring his abductors um to the forefront you know what i mean um and then also so that he wouldn't have to live the rest of his life in fear right um so after he leaves she actually calls the police police so that she can give um a sketch so she can get a sketch done of the way that he looks mm-hmm. um she, but this is interesting um i've read this is where i have a conflict conflicted information they say that she calls the police for the sketch but at the same time there later on um Paul had that civil trial later on. Um, 
she was actually a witness in that trial for him. She mentions this visit during that trial and they apparently, she apparently didn't notice telling anyone about this visit until that trial. So I'm con I was confused about that conflicting information. Did she tell them about the visit after he left or did she? Maybe she didn't tell anyone else outside of whoever did the sketch. I mean, that does sound a little weird. The whole probably police department would know if she said, hey, my missing son just popped up in my house. You know, I mean, since they didn't care that much before, maybe they didn't, they still didn't care. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was like, I just needed to get a sketch done kind of thing. And she didn't say there was a visit maybe, I, but then how would she know? Yeah, it's a little odd. So yeah, it did kind of throw me off. So, you know, 2006. Um, and this is kind of like one of the last things and kind of like this timeline thing. Um, Noreen receives photos of three boys bound and gagged and believes that one of them is Johnny. Um, there's another photo of a man with something around his neck who appears to be dead. Um, she believes that this is the person that may have, one of the people that may have kidnapped Johnny, but I don't know how she would know that. So that's neither here nor there. It was just a weird side thing. Um, but what ends up happening actually is she receives an anonymous letter I'm sorry, the Des Moines Police Department received an anonymous letter <laughs> that actually admits that the photos are fake and that they were taken in 1978 to 79 around that area by kids playing an escape game. Um, and this was actually the this was actually confirmed by um, I think it was Central Florida Police somewhere that had um, actually looked into this case before. Um, two of the kids were actually confirmed um and they admitted that it was a game that they had played but the third kid was never um found and to this day she still thinks um that this was johnny and actually when she looked this up actually and she looked up the the photos she tracked down the photos to a site of child pornography so i don't think that necessarily means that these photos were taken for child pornography. I think that means that they just maybe could have ended up there. Um, but it is, we something. don't know, right? Don't... Yeah, it's part of the mystery. Yeah. So it's crazy. So that's kind of like the timeline of like, just all these crazy things that happened following Johnny's disappearance. Um, so while doing this, we have like a couple theories, right? we've got this pedophilia ring and that's a big part of this mom and dad after they realized that um the police weren't doing shit you know they literally told them at one point your kid is dead right without even knowing that they were just like your your kid's dead he'll pop up you know his body will show up somewhere um they actually hired a private investigator right the private investigator came back to them and said Johnny was kidnapped for use in a global pedophile and pornography ring. He was being kept alive and subjected to trauma and torture of a satanic slash sexual nature to beat down his self-consciousness to make him vulnerable to brainwashing. I thought this was interesting. Um, but I have to remember that this is during a time when that whole satanic panic thing was happening. So I wonder if the, if the guy was just kind of like, I don't know, embellishing a little bit on that, kind of using the whole satanic panic thing and just kind of like, I don't know, 
doing a, a doing the most a little bit. Um, but I wonder if he, you know, I, I can imagine that the fact that he brought it back to like, hey, it, it, it is a pedophile ring. I mean, the guy had to have found something, right? Um, I mean, my guess just based off of everything that happened is I think that, yeah, all of that checks off the satanic part, probably yes and no. What they probably considered to be satanic at the time was probably like brainwashing, you know, hypnotization, you know, that sort of thing, like playing crazy music, trying, you know, all those mm -hmm. things that we know now are like a form of torture may have seemed a little satanic to them. And if they were really religious, they may have used a religious aspect to try to like further the, you know, continue the brainwashing. Mm. So maybe, but yeah, I mean, it, it seems like he was kidnapped and law enforcement, everybody was in on it. It was everybody had their hand in it or they right? turned a blind eye purposely. Yeah, I think so, too. Here's the crazy thing, right? Through the years, Noreen actually met with a lot of people who um, apparently knew Johnny or were abducted into the same ring, right? And mm -hmm. why is it always Noreen? Where Where's his daddy at? Is she a single mother? I'm confused. Listen, so actually, let me go ahead and, and get you there, right? I'm. Let me skip skip to that actually what ends up happening so this is part of the reason that they ended up getting a divorce so there's a theory out there that johnny's dad is actually involved in his disappearance oh no daddy no right um it's not a super strong theory but people have their questions right the reason being there's this back and forth story that johnny that day that he was abducted, the story goes is that that was apparently the first day that Johnny was allowed to go on his paper route alone. Typically, Johnny's dad would go with him and deliver the papers with him. Okay, so that's not like super damning because right? there were other kids there. It was their neighborhood. Like maybe he was just like, okay, you're good. And that person did talk to other boys mm -hmm. and he just happened to take Johnny. So it was that that part isn't they were just trying to find anybody and they they picked him exactly so I, that's the same thing i thought i was like it could be just a coincidence you know unfortunate and plus there was that other boy that was seen talking to the car as well uh, to the person in the car as well not talking to the car yeah um, okay what else do you have what else? so um at one point um there's a couple things apparently he flip-flopped a lot on how he felt about some of the things that came up in the case um and that too i thought was stretching it a little bit because i'm like you have to think about this this is years and years decades that his son has been missing as well so at one point on what like so what? he expressed at one point that he never believed paul Bonassi and that Bonassi exposed himself as a con man on the first meeting um and then even though there are statements of his on even though he was on record stating that he did believe Banasi. So he's kind of back and forth with his support of that. And then the second one was he claims he never believed any of the proof of life for Johnny, like the Oklahoma sighting and the dollar bill. So the one where um, the woman said she was approached by Johnny. Um, but yet he is known to have previously promoted them as evidence that Johnny was still alive. So he's gone back and forth between those things. So those are two things, right? 
those are simple. Like, they could so be- So to me, it just sounds like a dad who's probably, you know, stereotypical, like masculine kind of person and does not want to accept the fact that his son was kidnapped and probably being raped and, you know, being molested. Like he, I just felt like it's, maybe he flip-flopped because he just was in denial about the circumstances of his disappearance and what could possibly be happening to him. So maybe, but that's not enough to damn him. Right. What else you got? Girl, mic drop on this one. Okay. So these are going to bring up some new names, neither here nor there. You don't really need to know who they are because I didn't really care. Just need to remember dad. So um, the final alleged incident between Noreen and John, and this is what prompted, really prompted in this divorce. Um, I'm going to, I'm just John. Um, this had to do with the investigation of Charlie Kerr. Um, this is the owner of the Iowa farmhouse that Johnny was said to be held at for a brief, brief period of time following his abduction. Here we go. All right. The story is that Benassi knew Kerr by his first name, Charlie, and was able to draw a picture that matched, that was matched to Kerr with the help of the authorities. I don't know how to say this word. I've never known how to say this word. Seowix? Seowix? S-I-O-U-X? Like the Indians? Like the Yeah. Oh. I always say Siu. Siu? But I don't know. Sui? Sui. 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 Please someone help us. Yeah. (laughs) You just butchering words left and right. Every fucking episode like we're the worst <laughs> yeah there's no time to research these things okay i've been busy putting stories together okay all right so um kerr apparently has a lengthy rap sheet for sexual offenses against children okay the county attorney in the suix city arranged for a months-long surveillance operation on kerr one day in 93, the county attorney. It's Sue. Sue. Okay, cool. Period. Sue. And then if it's plural, it's Sue's. Sue's. Okay. All right. I so had a it. feeling that the X was silent because I'm like, typically when words are spelled like that, the X is usually silent. But, but like in the, like in the English language, like you never know, like if you have the word daughter, but if you switch out the D and you put an L there, suddenly it's laughter. laughter? It's like. How does that work? But anyway, you know what? We don't know. Um, So one day in 93, the county attorney informed Noreen that they were about to arrest Charlie Kerr, right? Um, And Noreen actually ends up telling John, um, her husband. So what ends up happening is that later that day, Noreen gets an angry call from the county attorney saying that John had driven up to Kerr's trailer and went inside to speak with him, which resulted in Kerr fleeing the area before they could arrest him. According to Noreen, John went to tip off char- to tip off Kerr about the, his arrest. Did, did, did that make sense? Okay, go ahead thinks that he went to warn him as opposed to going to confront him maybe kill him or beat him up for messing with his son and then they just maybe like had a tussle and he got away why does she think that he went to warn him 
I mean, was he molesting his son? Like, what? Well, something seems off about this whole thing. I don't know, but the guy got away. So, like, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Is like, why, if he did go there, why did the guy end up getting away? Why wouldn't he like hold him there until the police got there? Maybe he got overpowered. Not everybody wins the fight just because they're, you know, they have good intentions. It doesn't mean that like. You know, you have this suburban guy versus like a farmer. Yeah, I probably am not going to win that That's fight. True. So next part, right? So apparently there's this other guy, Gibson. He corroborates this story. And there are certain details of the story that actually check out. Um, you know, Kerr having a record of pedophilia, um, which are actually proven by, you know, the police report. Noreen and John divorced shortly after in 93. So Gibson actually elaborates on this a little bit. Gibson says that Kerr had blackmail material on Johnny's father regarding a criminal enterprise they were both involved in. Kerr had gotten wind that he was about to be arrested and threatened John that he would implicate him too if he got busted. So on the planned day of Kerr's arrest, John got in his car and brought Jimmy along with him, or Gibson, actually, let me stay on track with that along with him to drive to Kerr's home Jamie said that John initially planned to shoot Kerr out of anger but he talked John out of it basically the the, the, the threat the blackmail was over illegal gambling um which they believe was a euphemism for child trafficking so there's actually belief that Johnny's dad was actually involved in this ring so I mean it would make sense if they had like if they had proof that he was one a pedophile 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 yeah there you go if he was you know a pedophile and he was doing this to other boys he owed someone a large debt in that mm -hmm. ring and they wanted his young mm -hmm. son because mm -hmm. he was untouched and like it's either you go down or my kid go, goes down I, it's possible that if he was already engaging this type of behavior he would have chosen his himself over his son and i don't know yeah that's us i mean I don't know. Parents have done worse. Parents have done, Parents worse. Have done worse. Remember that? Do you remember that case of a, abducted in plain sight mm. when the guy abducted their daughter like three times and then they had him and then they ended up writing a letter. The parents both wrote the letter saying that like that he had their permission when he kidnapped their daughter because remember he had he had been involved in like sexual activity with both parents, the mom and the father. And he said that he would tell everybody if they didn't write this letter and get him out of jail. Do you not remember that? I remember the the like the name of that abducted in plain sight, but I don't remember the story. Why? I need to watch it again. Yeah, yeah. She was like, it was their next door neighbor. Yes. He was obsessed yes. with her. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god. And the parents literally wrote that letter to save their reputation over their daughter's well being. So back then, that was. Yeah, it could it could have easily oh, yeah. happened. And so he did he have any other siblings, Johnny, or was it, it was just, just him? him? Oh, that's rough. It was just okay. him. So this is why the whole thing with Noreen and her husband, they, you know, got divorced and kind of thing. And Noreen has kind of been seen as like the crusader of keeping up with Johnny's case and moving forward. So that's why I kind of like jumped around a little bit so noreen through time she's been visited by these by more people who have apparently known johnny um through the ring and um you know 
has continued to 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 basically um keep track of not keep track of him they won't nobody knows where he is kind of thing um but basically what what she gets from it is knowing that the hope that he is still alive um from what i understand she believes that he's living in hiding because of the powerful people that he's escaped from um but he lives in fear um when i was watching i can't remember what i was watching i i don't know if it was the um the documentary or one of the other movies but somebody had mentioned they're like well, you know we just don't understand why he doesn't just come out now because if that is the case you know that he's scared you know there's things in place now that can keep him safe and i was like is there though y'all didn't you just see epstein <laughs> like no no like there's Brianna taylor y'all this is yeah no we're still not out of that place in time where people don't cover up things people and you don't use their positions of power to do evil things and get away with it like i don't know try to like to have a coup d'etat and take over the government mm -hmm. like no like mm -hmm. no that's no big deal right so anyway yeah we i can understand why if he was still alive if mm -hmm. he is why he's still not saying anything he's probably just lucky to have survived it yeah exactly exactly so this whole thing um links back and this is what i would love to look into a little bit more but um this is the one that i told you about that um and i couldn't find um the information quite what i wanted to find in time but what was happening was that people who were getting too like that were really investigating investigating this apparently and this is what i've heard from other podcasts reporters um investigators that were really honing in on this ring and trying to get details um people have just ended up surprisingly just disappearing um or dying suspiciously so uh, there might be a reason why I can't find some of this information, but, um, I'm just going to leave it at that. But all of this links back to something called the Omaha, Nebraska ring, um, the Franklin ring again with the guy, um, that Paul Bonassi accused of, um, leading this ring. And so this guy actually was investigated. They did, which I found interesting, right? So there apparently was a 14 million dollar trail of money that led back to the allegations of trafficking but for some reason the fbi kept that part of the investigation quiet the the guy lawrence king ended up only getting charged for um i think for like laundering or something like that um and some you know money money-esque type stuff but other than that Nothing, nothing to do with the ring or anything like that second cool not cool but like kind of like creepy stuff that happened so there was actually supposed to be a discovery channel documentary that was done um with these group of people i think they were from the uk um and they were going to make this big thing they started like you know they put it all together production they started getting the show going all you know willy-nilly all of a sudden the group of people that were you know supposed to do the story they get a call or like a message from the discovery channel saying all work on this needs to stop um 
the person that was actually the head, like, I guess the person that was going to be in the documentary, like the main researcher, um, his company yeah. actually flies him out to, um, like where the discovery channel, I guess their studio is to talk to them so they can figure out because they weren't getting answers. They were like trying to call them. They were trying to like, you know, email, blah, 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 do all these things to say, Hey, like you guys told us like we can make this for your channel and you know, for this story and like what's going on. It literally, they were like, no one would talk to them when they got there. Damn. No one would talk to them. They were like, Nope. There's nothing we're saying. Someone's got, someone has friends in high places. They were just like, nope, no, no explanation, even in person. No, we're not talking about this. We're shutting it down. It's done. And so, yeah, that's pretty creepy um, to me. I, I, (sighs) so I saw some strange comments when I was, uh, doing this and i picked out two of them that i thought was really interesting so this is from this website found awocation and there's this person username is called sweet pea vaughn on october 24th 2016 they made this comment i lived a few blocks can i read it oh yes please do go for it I lived a few blocks from the Gauches, and I recall every detail when Johnny vanished. Not long after, Eugene Martin also vanished, and I contacted the police about Johnny's case. When they showed a sketch of one of the men they believed to have taken him, I gave them the guy's full name and was told they would link would look into it. Then never heard another word on it, not on TV or anything. To this day, I wonder why. And yes, Noreen has told the truth. Mr. Gosh even commented one time that she was crazy and that Johnny had run away from home, but he had not. When Eugene Martin disappeared, they had stated that they had seen the same car and the same men. Yeah. 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 So also on allocation, B-B-A-L-D-J-C, I'm not even going (laughs) to take a guess. B-Bald, anyway. Um, On October 14, 2016 said, I have done extensive research regarding Johnny Gosh and many kids like him. Johnny's dad could have been grown up in an occult or even have been involved with the people associated with this newspaper company. So this is what I actually saw online when I did my research about like some of the creepy things. Um, It says that John Bonet and her father Mm -hmm. um, were involved somehow linked to the intelligence of the CIA. And this is all involved with the temple of set with association with the military and CIA. And they were apparently using the project MK ultra, which was the programming of children and their victims. This is the building, sorry, this is building through generations of people being programmed and offspring and their offspring running the occult. So (laughs) not quite that, but what I saw was that the CIA had a part in reprogramming these kids Mm -hmm. and that they were being kidnapped to see, like to do these mind control techniques and reprogramming and stuff like that. And maybe if it didn't work or something, you know, didn't go well, or if if it didn't happen, they would just release these kids back. But since they couldn't send them back to their parents, Mm -hmm. they would sort of just turn a blind eye as to where these children would go with these government officials. And that's kind of what fed the sex Mm -hmm. ring. I mean, 
it's very similar to what's happening with all of these people whose children are being taken to these detention facilities and they're just missing now. No one knows where they are. Like how Listen. these are secure facilities. How do thousands of children just go missing? You have no clue where they Listen. are. Listen, yeah, that is the first thing I think of when people are just like, and these people that are just like sitting here and they're, they're like, oh, like it's their fault that they're in these detention centers and blah, blah, blah. And stuff. I'm like, you're not paying attention to like what has happened in history and what is happening right now like you're just so concerned about being a hateful person and about you know country this country that and who deserves to be where and blah 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 you're not paying attention like you're i mean other than you being a, a horrible person and not believing that people should be with their families and be connected to their families these children are just being taken and place somewhere that no one knows about and there are horrible people in this world and they are doing horrible things do you not know that's like i don't understand why i mean like to me personally like the whole thing with the temple of set and things like that like that i would love to i want to go down this avenue like i i you know we love stuff like this um i, I can't wait to do an episode on this um but the reality is is that we do have sex trafficking we do have there is supply and demand for this and it's a reality i saw a comment um somewhere else where somebody was like really they were like you guys think that there's this whole sex ring and blah 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 and all these people and the government's doing this and that and you know you people need to like get real lives and i'm like are you stupid like you really think that people aren't doing this like how do you think modern day slavery works like i mean think about all the times where they do these like huge like rings pedophilia rings do you you don't just see one or two people involved you see a page full of mugshots mm -hmm. 20 30 people some of them share some were working in jail some of the teachers there was a whole thing with uber drivers in mm -hmm. atlanta basically kidnapping people and putting them into sex rings like this happens all the mm -hmm. time and it's not the reason why, because it's, it, you're right. It is a supply and demand. That sounds like an awful thing to say, but it's the truth. Yeah. And it's, I mean, like in um, every year, I'm not every year, but like every four years, the Olympics come around and it doesn't matter what country it's in. The, one of the stories that always comes out is what are they going to do about the, um, about the prostitution that goes on in these countries? Because it happens every time the supply, the, the demand goes up and they literally have these people that are preparing um, to make money um, within the sex world. I mean, like, what do you think? These are all adults. Like you think like, this is not, this is not what history has taught us. History has taught us that there are horrible people and that there's children sold into this all the time. Like, I get that people, um, it's not saying that everyone doesn't disappear, um, that disappears is put into these situations, but there's a large amount that are a lot more than what we think. And um, there are a lot of stories out there of people who are, you know, taking advantage. And, um, and not only that, but like, there's also these rings where I, I can't remember where I found this story. I can't remember what. Or was that?
but it was ripped from the headlines kind of thing. I think it was like an SVU because, you know, SVU always does rip from the headlines. Yes, they do. They even have an episode about something like yeah. this. About a kid grooming other kids because he was molested and he was like aging mm -hmm. out and they made him initiate these other kids and it was a whole thing. So, yeah. yeah. What what did you hear? But they also do like the whole like um, when they also need like people to like come, just someone to come clean their houses, like maids and stuff like that. And they don't want to deal with the whole like um, just my child crawling across the floor like an animal. Um, you heard that, right? It's like, I was like, what? Is there an earthquake? <laughs> so we got just a monster. Um, like they will kidnap um, young women and just have them serve as basically just maids and slaves. Yeah. Yeah. Please. Yeah. And they just, that's all they do, you know, and that's how they're kept. And they live, sometimes they live in the homes and, you know, they, that's what they do. They don't get paid. You know, they're basically just like you get shelter and you get food and that's it. And you should be grateful. And that's it. And so, yeah, it's nuts. So um, actually I wanted to, really quick before we close this out actually this is went a lot faster than i thought it would huh um so noreen actually helped um put together a foundation it's called the national center for um, missing children um this foundation helped pass legislation such as the johnny gosh law which took effect in iowa in 1984. it provides for the immediate involvement of police when a child is missing instead of the typical 72 hour waiting period. So thank you, Noreen. I don't care what people say, whether they think she's gone overboard or whatever, that is a woman that, um, you know, lost her child and she's done everything that she feels in her power to help him. Actually, and let me add another side note. <laughs> they, there's a part where they were like, why didn't you tell anyone about the visit from Johnny? And why did you wait two years or whatever? And she was like, right. my child asked me not to. She said, my child said very specifically, these people will cut are coming after me because I escaped. Obviously, like they will kill me. Like, I cannot tell you where I'm going. Like, I can't say where I'm going. I can't tell you where I've been. Like, I live in fear for my life. Like, I do need your help. But at the same time, I can't give you any more information. And so she keeps right. fighting every day so that she can hopefully help him come out of hiding. But she has to do it with what the tools that she has kind of thing. So that was that. Um, why do you look like that? There's like a whole concert going on in the parking lot that I had spoken of before. And I hear it <laughs> starting and I was like, here we go. Here you just have go. a concert inside your house. house. Yeah, kind of recording, so, you know. <laughs> oh, we're done. <laughs> Maybe later. So, actually, um, and then also I just want to add a side note. Um, and, again, for that whole person that was like, why do you think people are doing this? You think there's a whole ring and blah, 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 and people who think that shit like that doesn't happen? In 2013, the FBI's Innocence Loss National Initiative with the National Center for Missing Children, Loreen's uh, Foundation, 
actually helped rescue 105 children that were victims of a sex trafficking ring and 150 pimps were actually arrested um, during an operation. So um, it is happening. It's out there. And the fact that you know she, her her foundation is involved in these cases and actually really working closely with um, police um, departments and um, the FBI. This is that's pretty crazy. That's pretty awesome. Like and great movement for her. So <sighs> I love it. She took her pain and she made it into purpose. And she tried to prevent other people from going through what she went through, especially because if the police had responded expeditiously she could have gotten her son back and they didn't and that's i think that above anything else is just like the worst part of the story is that they just didn't care enough to try right and yeah that's that's heartbreaking so like what i'm thinking right is like that 72 hours that they had to wait or like that 45 minutes that they had to wait if the police had come in and done a proper investigation nonetheless right because to me i'm like they something had to go wrong that they could have said, hey, um, let's take your report. Johnny was where? He did what? You could have literally asked the neighbors right then and there, did anyone hear anything? Did anyone do this? Did anyone do that? Within the 45 minutes, you hopefully would have heard from those neighbors that seen something. The neighbor that saw the car blow, blow the stop sign and seen where it went, at least which direction the car went, and knowing that that car was in the area, maybe they could have like, you know, put out a, what do you call it? A, what is it called? The, oh, I forgot what is it called? The, the slang for it. APB. Thank you. Thank you. I was close. I was close. I was like, it's the BBDB, CBD. I don't know. That's, that's a different thing, but you know what I mean? But maybe it could have been different, but no, they, they tried to do something different, but. I'm going to put this blog up actually um, fairly quickly um, because I found a lot of great um, visuals for this one. So I'm excited to put this one together. But that is it. That is my story on Johnny Gosh. So very sad story, but um, definitely led me down the rabbit hole. So definitely check it out if you guys want to know more about the story. Well, that was a really good episode, Jabby. Thank you for picking this one. Um, I think so for me, the highlight was one, this this kid was kidnapped and probably put through some awful things. But, you know, because of him, we were able to start a whole network of how to find children, change the process of how they wait for kidnapping victims, especially when it comes for like, you know, children, they don't wait that 48 hours because they're not adults. And more than likely, if you're saying something is wrong or they're not where they're supposed to be, then mm -hmm. someone took them. And now we know the awful things that can happen. Um, it's not just murder. It could be molestation, mm -hmm. sex rings, things like that. And it's unfortunate. So if you see something uh, with a child, especially, please say something because you never know what might be going on. Um, so as we wrap up this episode, just want to remind you guys again, mm -hmm. don't forget to check us out on social media, Ebenista's podcast, Ebenista's P on Twitter. And we also have a Patreon site that you guys can help support us and help 
fund this podcast because it ain't free. And uh, we're going to have a lot of exclusive content coming up and so much more in the next few months. So stay with us and don't forget, use the buddy system. If you listen today, ask a friend to listen today and act to ask their friend. And that way we can keep on bringing you dope shit that helps people as our (laughs) mentor would say, Joe. So yeah, guys for tuning in again for another great episode of the Ebenezer's podcast. We out. Peace. Bye. Bye. <laughs> oh, f- the Ebenezer's podcast was created, written, recorded, and produced by Javi and Doreen. Theme music by Chris Black of Truck Music Productions.